I'm Rechard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 138 for the weekend starting Friday, 20 November 2015. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, where you'll still find South Africa's best technology journalism. That's right, Duncan. No advertising dressed up as editorial. No, we actually <laughs> respect our readers at Tech Central. On Talk Central this week, we chat about Telcom's decision to walk away from a deal with C. Also this week, we chat Mark Barnes' appointment as the new post office CEO, Telcom's slowing ADSL growth, and Microsoft Windows has turned 30. Right, let's get the show on the road. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Richard? How's it, Duncan? We started recording this outside a few minutes ago, but the wind was so bad, we decided to move it inside. <laughs> At least we're getting some rain now, so uh, yeah. we're not going to complain too much Finally about Finally cool, cooled down a bit after last week's crazy heat wave. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's get on with the show. Lots to talk about this week, but before we even start there, I think we're, um, we're planning to introduce some changes to the podcast over the coming weeks. Uh, we had a, a meeting uh, with uh, the radio legend, I guess I could call him. He might be a bit embarrassed about us calling him that. But uh, we met with um, uh, Malcolm Russell, who uh, has given us some, uh, us some advice on uh, what we can do to, um, to uh, improve the podcast and uh, you know, introduce some new elements to it uh, to make it uh, a more listenable experience and hopefully, um, hopefully uh, get, you know, increase engagement and also get new listeners to the show. So we're going to start introducing some of those uh, changes uh, this week already, um, and uh, look out for some additional changes we're hoping to introduce uh, as the uh, as the year comes to a close. But uh, one of the things we're going to start, a new feature, in fact, we're going to introduce from the show this week is uh, uh, we're going to introduce a, a quiz, if you like. No prizes, um, no gadgets, not not yet anyway. We may look at... Uh, we may look at uh, do, doing prizes at some point, particularly if, if we ever get off, uh, get to the point that we've just been discussing for some time, Richard, of doing <laughs> yeah, a live yeah. show, because we'll uh, to... once we do a live show, it'd be quite fun to uh, to give away some prizes uh, live on air. Oh yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. See who's got the best know-how in the, the industry. Indeed, but um, we thought a bit of fun, keep this thing a little interactive. Um, perhaps start with a start with a quiz each week. Five questions. They'll really look at what's been happening in the tech scene. So test whether you've been reading Tech Central and other tech news <laughs> websites, but hopefully only Tech Central. Uh, and um, and uh, yeah, so a bit, of, a bit of fun on the show. We'll give you the answers at the end of the show, see what you managed to get out of five. Um, so each one, each uh, each quiz we run each week is going to be based on uh, on current affairs that week. Uh, so uh, the only rule is don't go and Google the answer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Rafat, well, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, let me do. Uh, okay, so the first question. Mark Barnes is the new CEO of the Post Office. He also co-hosts or perhaps co-hosted a TV talk show on current affairs. What is the name of that show? Not an easy question. <laughs> no, that's a tricky one. That is a tricky one. The second one, Cell C is controlled by a Dubai-based group called Auger Telecom. What is Auger's stake in Cell C? We're looking for the percentage and the third question, M10 is not only in trouble in Nigeria, it's been fined by a court in Uganda as well. What has it been accused of? And we are not looking for detail here. First question is, the SABC board has suspended the broadcaster CEO, Franz Matlala. How long had Matlala been in the job? And the last question, former core group executive director RJ van Spandonk is heading up a new company, Mobile in Africa which is launching which international smartphone brand in South Africa? There we go. That one's quite easy, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, five questions. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to give you the answers at the end of the show, see what you know of those. Uh, we might just recap them in the middle of the show. But uh, let's get on with the news, Rachat. Yes. And there's a heck of a lot to talk about. 
Uh, the first is the news that broke yesterday that uh, Telcom and Cell C are no longer in talks, mm. which is an interesting one. Um, uh, I've spoken to both parties, and it really does appear as if they couldn't agree on price. Um, apparently, there was a difference of many billions of rand in sure. what Telcom believed the business was worth and what um, Azure Telecom was seeking for it. Now, Azure Telecom, the parent company, owns, and here comes one of the answers from the quiz, <laughs> 75% of Celsi. So, um, uh, a very interesting uh, development, given that um, Telcom had, for the past, past four weeks, been conducting a due diligence investigation of Celsi. So, they've been looking at the company's books and really trying to formulate a valuation for the business. Now, I, you know, when this sort of thing happens, there's the immediate question that needs to be asked is, did the the interested party find something horrific on um, the targeted company's books or, or some other thing that said to them, we can't do this deal, mm -hmm. there's something seriously wrong here, we need to walk away. Speaking to both sides and speaking to sources both close to both companies, it, it appears that that is not in fact the case and that the primary difference here is over the price of the asset that they just couldn't agree on. Now, where, the question is, what is the, where does this leave Telcom and where does this leave Cell C? Uh, Telcom uh, launched, of Telcom, of course, let's, let's go back a bit in history. Telcom had a 50% stake in Vodacom until about 2008, 2009. They then divested that stake, selling 15% of it to Vodafone and giving Vodafone control, management control of, uh, of Vodacom. And the rest was um, made available to Telcom shareholders. The... Uh, Telcom then, a year or two later, I think it was in 2010, launched a mobile network of its own, became the fourth mobile operator in South Africa with the launch of ATA, which was uh, a brand that was later dropped in favor of Telcom Mobile, and now simply Telcom. Um, and that business has really struggled. It's lost a lot of money over the years. Um, but under the new CEO, Sipo Maseko, they've made some very good progress on that, and they say it's going to be operationally profitable in this financial year, which is to March next year. Um, so they've done well, but they're, they're, they're a tiny business in the, in the scheme of mobile in South Africa. Telcom Mobile has about 2% of the market, if they're, if they're lucky, mm -hmm. or between 1% and 2% of the market. Uh, Cell C was licensed in uh, around 2000, 2001, uh, and they had a very troubled start to life. Um, they, 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 they ratcheted up, I think, about 8 or 10% of the market, but they, they never really made major waves um, until Alan Not Craig, or actually... To be fair, probably his predecessor as well, Lars Reichelt, who really started to shake things up with the rollout of the 3G mm. network. But then Alan Not Craig took it a heck of a lot further, and they've managed to really grow their market share in the last three years. Uh, first under Not Craig, and are now under the current CEO, Jose Dos Santos. Um, and they've got about 22% of the market now, uh, measured by SIM cards, not by revenue. I think by revenue, they're probably sitting around 10 to 15%. Um, but they've had massive growth. Uh, and, um, you know, they... Perhaps Telcom needed Cell C more than Cell C needed Telcom. But I think the merger would have been a good one for, for consumers. It wouldn't be a, a return to the duopoly days of MTN and Vodacom where prices were high and there was unwritten rules about what the pricing should be. Um, I, I think that three players in the market would probably be sufficient to ensure that there's robust competition at a, at a price level between the players. But now that they can't agree on, on a price and they've walked away, it leave, it, you know, where does this leave Telcom? Telcom continues as a, as a very small but profitable mobile player uh, without scale, mm. unable really to compete effectively against MTN and Vodacom, um, although they've, they've been punching above their weight, especially in, in, in terms of mobile data broadband services. Um, they've done quite well there with very aggressive pricing, um, but they, they're never going to be a major player without a tie-up with one of the other guys like Celsi. 
Cell C itself is sitting on a huge mountain of debt, although the shareholders say that debt is quite manageable. Um, um, it, it's, its base is, is, is um, yeah, they, they get lower ARPUs from their base, lower average revenues per user than MTN and Vodacom, which have big contract bases. Um, and I think a merger probably would have helped them, but clearly the shareholders haven't been able to agree on a price. So um, I guess Cell C is going to, you know, they're still continuing with a review of Cell C. Um, we don't, don't know what other deals might be waiting in the wings. So there may be still some corporate action around Cell C. We'll have to just have to wait and see. Um, if there isn't corporate action, if there isn't someone else waiting in the wings at Cell C, then I suspect that, that um, six months, a year down the line, we'll see Telcom and Cell C back at the talks, to, uh, back at the negotiation table. And I suspect that what will happen is that Azure Telecom will probably lower its expectations yeah, of what Cell C yeah. is worth, while Telcom might add a little sweetener. But I think those talks could resume at some point if Celsius isn't sold to someone else in the interim. Yeah, those will have to be hard negotiations. But uh, like you said, if they're not going get, to get anywhere until then, uh, before then, yeah, they're going to be a must. Yeah. So interesting times. Um, you know, Telcom walking away could simply be a negotiating tactic. Um, but they run the risk of uh, another player coming in and uh, mm. snapping up Celsius. Uh, although, you know, if Telcom's not prepared to pay that sort of price, uh, maybe who else, they, who else will? Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. question. Um, maybe someone, you know, maybe an international player that could pay in euros or dollars, but it looks a lot, quite a lot cheaper when you're, mm. when you're investing in you know, buying a RAND-denominated asset. Mm. No, it's good. We're going to have to uh, rewind the, the clock next year and actually see, <laughs> see yes. where we ended up. Yes. Anyway, we'll keep a close eye on that. Uh, Telcom share price, interestingly, rallied massively on the back of the news. Um, it rose by just on 10% yesterday hmm. after they said the talks were off. So <laughs> yes, that the sort of shareholder relief that they're not going to do it. But I suppose that the deal would could have ended up in Telcom having to go through some sort of rights issue, would have, which would have um, diluted the value of the shares for ordinary shareholders. That's probably why there was a relief rally yesterday after the after the news came out. So, so uh, very interesting news from the post office yesterday, <laughs> and very unexpected, I think. Um, and that's that uh, Mark Barnes, who's a, um, I guess you could call him a veteran of corporate South Africa. He's worked, um, he's worked in private equity quite extensively, uh, formerly uh, with Breit, now runs his own JSE listed company called Purple Group, where he's executive chairman. They're an investment uh, business. Uh, and um, he is taking on... Um, the role of CEO of the post office, um, hopefully not a poison chalice, um, but I think widely welcomed um, that the post office is bringing in someone with decades of of experience in the private sector to run a state-owned enterprise. Uh, and he's talking a good game. He's talking a big game. Uh, he's saying that he wants this, the post office to be profitable. Uh, he's talking. He says there are great assets in here, and there's lots that can be done with this business. Um, I, I hope he's not, um, you know overestimating or underestimating rather what the challenges of turning around a defunct organization like the post office which is basically bankrupt mm. but he's, he's making the right noises for example he's saying e-commerce should not be seen as the post office enemy we should embrace e-commerce and turn it to our advantage which um which which makes good it thinking eminent yeah, good sense thinking, yeah. turn it yeah. into a partner of the um of the e-commerce providers Look, if they get the act together, I mean, I don't know, they're very far down that road and it's going to take mm. a lot for, for, for that turnaround to happen. Mm. But uh, he makes a good point. You know, if, if they can embrace uh, the e-commerce movement and, and really come to the party delivering same-day, 24-hour reliable services, yeah, 
I mean, same day, if they can do same day, they've got the network, they should be able to do that. They could knock that uh, ball out of the park uh, yeah, and, yeah. and really make it very tough for some uh, some of the other career services to, to, to stay to stay uh, ahead of the game. Yeah. So, if, I mean, if they can get that right, and, um, you know, there's, there's, there is tough competition in the courier space, but if they can get that right, I think the post office could be, because, you know, I mean, we saw Mr. Delivery by, uh, sorry, Mr. Delivery, we saw Take a Lot by Mr. <laughs> Mr. Delivery, delivery yeah. um, because of the high cost of courier charges in South Africa, and they, they saw that as a way of really driving down the cost uh, for, that, for, for, for delivery of e-commerce products. So, um, if the post office can come in as a low-cost delivery vehicle for, for e-commerce, it could also fuel an e-commerce boom in South Africa. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of lot of structural issues they need to fix at the post office before it can become a world class organisation capable of doing that sort of thing. I think he's going to be spending at least the first twelve to eighteen months just fixing the mess yeah. that he's going to be inheriting before we can even start to look at launching new products and services like that. And then it's going to start taking a while before the trust uh, trust factor gets back into it because a lot of people aren't going to say trust the post office again from from. You know, from the beginning, from the revamp, uh, so yeah. to speak. I mean, I've probably got a few parcels waiting in that big warehouse of these. Yeah, that uh, I've, I've never seen. Never seen. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, so a lot of consumer distrust that's going to have to be rebuilt, and that obviously takes time. Um, anyway, he's been appointed for a five-year term, uh, which I think is the sort of time you're going to need to turn this mm. thing around, and it can be done. I mean, look at what Sipo Maseko and, and uh, Jabo Mabuza have done at Telcom. Um, they've done what they've done. When did when did they when did Sipo uh, start as CEO? I think it was in twenty thirteen, April twenty thirteen. Yeah, look what he's done in two and a half years. Yeah. Quite remarkable. So it can be done. Although arguably the the post office is starting at a much worse point than Telcom was when Sipo Maseko took over as CEO. And they and they really only have one or two players left. I think. I mean, you know, they have to to choose their game carefully. And if they do support the e-commerce industry and do. You know, I don't know if the, the the postal side of it is is ever going to recover as as nicely as what it should. And yeah, I think they've lost a lot of that business during the strikes and all that sort of thing. It'll just never return. Mm. I mean, I know that I changed a lot of my. I, I mean, I, I get, through the post office, I mainly get bills, yeah. and um, I, I I converted most of those to e-commerce. Um, sorry, to e-commerce to emailed <laughs> Email, yeah. emailed uh, invoices, um, and I'm certainly not going to switch back to being them delivered through the post. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Um, probably just you know, <laughs> I, I just don't believe I'll see them. Mm. Um, anyway, I, I think it's an interesting appointment. I think it's a good appointment, um, but I think uh, you know, I, th I think I worry that he's perhaps underestimating the scale of the challenge he's taking on, and also it's quite a politically charged environment. So, um, you know, I hope the way he talks, uh, you know, he talks about a partnership with the with, with the government. So maybe he's he's got his head his sort of mentality around how to deal with the issues issues correct already um but you know he's going to have to manage those those political relationships which are never never easy and to see from telecom's got Jabba Mabuza as the chairman who who helps do that um uh, i don't think he's going to have a similar position or a similar person at the post office protecting him but also he's going to have to i think the other problem that i see is obviously you've got a workforce that's been Working in a particular way that I don't know if you will be able to restore them to you know the a normal f post office employee. You know, if mm. look at the guys that uh, may have started looting, may have started stealing parcels and packages. Mm. I think the workforce will need some work as well to get them yeah. back to a, yeah. a, a state of trust yeah. with the company. Yeah, and, and being a state of enterprise, it's going to be difficult to fire the 
um, fire the people who need to be mm. fired. Mm. And mm. I'm sure there are a lot of people in there that need to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. anyway, we need to take uh, a, a message from our sponsors. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Daddy's gonna buy you a mockingbird. And if that mockingbird don't sing, Daddy's gonna download you a bazillion things. With that pipe from Vox Telecom, you get free data between midnight and 6 a.m. every night. That's an unshaped high-speed internet lullaby for the ears. To get yours, visit voxtelecom.co.za. Lots of news this week. Uh, Telcom's results were on Monday. The interim results for the six months ended 30 September. And one of the things I wanted to pull out of those results was the was their um, ADSL growth just really slowed down dramatically. Uh, um, and 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 Sipo Maseko, the CEO, did uh, speak to this at the results presentation, which was held at their new campus in in um, in, in Centurion in Pretoria last uh, on Monday. Uh, and um, you know, a lot of people. In fact, Hilton Tarrant wrote a piece this week. Um, I thought very good, um, asking whether we've reached peak ADSL. And you know, he's, he asked some interesting questions. You know. Um, first of all, ADSL is an expensive product, no matter which way you look at it. You've mm. got to have the basic line rental, you've got to have the ADSL line rental on top of that, and you've still got to pay for the data. Um, but you have to have a telephone line. Exactly, you have to have a telephone line. But the um, they're also being challenged. Um, they're being challenged by mobile, and we saw that in Falcon's latest results. Their um, mobile data uh, sales jumped by 68% to 700 million Rand, um, which is a huge growth. It's the fastest growing part of their business, but one has to wonder, with you know, with the, them offering these great 4G LTE offerings to the home market, whether they're cannibalizing their ADSL base. But at the same time, you have to wonder whether the slowdown in the growth of ADSL is also the result of um, companies like Vumatel. Mm. You know, are people cancelling their ADSL subscriptions because fiber providers are arriving are arriving in their suburbs and is that having a meaningful impact at the stage on the ADSL? subscriber base and so Hilton asked have we reached peak ADSL and he says probably uh, I would agree with him I mean I'm smack in the middle of it where that we are busy with the rollout in our neighborhood mm. and everybody that I've spoken to in that neighborhood is cancelling uh, the ADSL yeah you know, outright you know yeah. they're going to do a web service over the their new fiber line yeah well, they, they don't they only use their mobile devices that's the other thing is that people once they get fiber they realize they can go VoIP mm. and they don't need a telecom uh, plain old telephone thing just a fixed line anymore you they, can port your number too you can port your number to a VoIP provider and do, do make your phone calls over the internet basically yeah no it's <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting um, and a lot of I mean, I mean if you look at not just the rapid deployment of fiber to the home but new complexes new businesses none of these guys or, or you know established complexes and businesses mm. business parks you know most of them are getting fiber so the telecom lines going into these companies are also starting to convert from telecom yeah. to or from telecom to to a fiber solution or yeah. a web solution, yeah. which I think is hitting them hard. Yeah, yeah, and and the last mile is the last has been the last vestige of their monopoly, um, and it's being eroded now for the first time. And and um, I think it was the chief financial officer Dion Fredericks who made the comment during the results presentation. He said he didn't say which suburb it was, but he said there was an alternative fiber provider who came into a neighborhood. It could have been Parkhurst. I'm not sure. Um, and he said that uh, in that neighborhood where the alternative fiber provider came in, 70% of the telecom clients in that neighborhood canceled their lines. Mm. 
70 percent that means that's a wholesale switch to the new provider basically and but that's about the uptake requirement for 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 these fiber providers to deploy in your neighborhood isn't it don't they want like a 65 percent or 60 they usually look for a 30 percent commitment um from all the all the people in the neighborhood whether oh, they've got okay, infrastructure okay. or not they usually look for a 30 percent commitment but this is 70 percent of telecom clients saying uh, cheers yeah <laughs> Um, which is a big problem for them. Anyway, Sipa Maseko said in the presentation, blamed the, 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 the slowdown in ADSL growth in the presentation on, on, on pro internal problems. He said that the, um, you know, they've, they've had issues with uh, the field force, field workforce and, um, you know, they've, they recently changed their, all their vans from, um, all their vans from, from, uh, um, I forget who the previous service provider was, but they changed it to, they changed it to, um, to Bidvest, uh, and, and oh, yeah, apparently that yeah. caused some, you know, the changeover caused some problems and some challenges. Um, but yeah, so that's what they're blaming it on. But one has to wonder whether um, whether it's a, it's a mixture of all of these things, um, including the new fiber providers that are coming into mm -hmm. the market. And it must be deeply worrying for telecom executives to see this happening. Um, we, we'll know in the next set of results if uh, if it was in fact an internal issue, um, if the ADSL growth rate goes back up again. But if it doesn't. And in fact, if it continues to come down, then um, I think telecom has a serious problem. Yeah, and as consumers, I think I think I would, say, as a cons if I put my consumer glasses on, I would say that it's it comes down to a cost thing. And mm. if I have the option of, of going for something cheaper or potentially you know better service, um, I will switch every time. Mm. And uh, from that point of view, if I look at people switching from switching off their telecom at least for for better service, mm. um, <laughs> it seems like a logical choice. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Windows. Today is the 20th of November 2015. That means Windows is 30 years old today. Windows 1.0 was released on this day in 1985. Wow. What were you doing in 1985? <laughs> I think I was running around in the, in the garden playing with my toys <laughs> as a kid. Yeah, I was, my, my venture into computers only happened in, uh, in 94, 95, I think it was. Um, so which, which was the first Windows you used? It must have been Windows. Um, Windows 3.1 was the first one I used, but right. I remember I don't have many uh, memories of of Windows 3. Oh, sorry, with your 3.1. I, I remember using it at school a lot, but DOS was the thing that I had on my home computer. Okay. Um, MS DOS 6.2 was the one. 6.2. I remember that one. Yeah. 6.2.2. I think it was. Yeah, that was very stable. I didn't have a computer that could run Windows, so that was yeah. that was a thing. It was a, a weird thing thinking about it. You didn't have a computer to run something as was basic. It powerful enough? <laughs> was it a 286 or was something? Was it 286? 286, uh, okay. okay. Yeah, my first experience was with Windows 3.0. Um, I also don't remember it that well. I think I may have put it out of my head because of the painful memories, but <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty awful. Uh, oh, well. There wasn't much you ran on it back then. You actually spent most of your time in DOS. Windows mm. was this thing mm. that you fired up occasionally. Oh, look at this. We can play Solitaire. But <laughs> apart, from, apart from playing Solitaire and Minesweeper, there wasn't much point in, in Windows back, back in those days. Um, the apps only really came later. Uh, Photoshop started appearing. Mm. Uh, you know, slowly but surely, it started. People started moving across it, but it wasn't a quick process, and and people continued running DOS for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, my first PC operating system was was uh, was DOS. I think it was DOS three point one or something like sure. that. Um, MS DOS. I'm going to MS DOS. Was there a four? I think it might have skipped from three to five. I can't remember. MS DOS five and MS DOS six. Six point two two was the one that was so stable. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I remember installing. Windows 3.1 for the first time. My my first year as a student, I um I got a I bought a PC, 
uh, it was a 386 DX40. Oh, nice. With, and this was, this was, this was a 40 megahertz raw power. This was a high-end machine at the time. It cost me something like 12 grand. Um, it, yeah, 40 megahertz, uh, 386. It had, um, I forget how much RAM it had, but it had a 40 megabyte hard drive. Um, it had a floppy drive. Uh, and it was running Windows 3.1. Um, <laughs> And it was terribly slow. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't have anything to really benchmark to. You just knew that things took long with the computer. But you could do some cool things. Yeah. And I used to play a lot of games on it. In DOS, DOS-based games. There was no mm, games on Windows yeah. back then. Um, no games worth speaking of, anyway. Um, and this was before... This was before... No, this was before... Was Duke come out there? No, no, I'm thinking of Doom. No. Sorry, was it? Doom. It was out Doom, before yeah. Doom. Doom came out in 95. Uh, 94 or 95. I think it was 95. Um, so it was games like Stunts and Test Drive... Um, old DOS games. Uh, Stunts was a great game. We had a lot of fun with that one. Um, there were lots of other games at the time. Oh, you know, things like Space Quest and oh, King's yeah, Quest yeah. and all that Monkey sort of Monkey Island, wasn't Monkey Island one of Monkey them? Island, I think, was out around then as well, early 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there were some great games, actually, some great adventure games. I was a big adventure game player. I used to love those um, Sierra games. <laughs> Sierra games. Um, You're talking about Leisure Suit Larry. Leisure Suit Larry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quaint these days. It was. Uh, yeah, just don't catch your parents. Uh, just don't let your parents catch you playing it back then. But, uh, but the <laughs> graphics were so low. How could it ever be anything, no. uh, you know, for adult viewers only? It's so strange. It was. Uh, it wasn't really. I mean, it was. It was. It was. So, it was actually quite funny that game. <laughs> the first one was quite rough though, when you had to sleep with a prostitute above the bar. <laughs> oh yeah, good old yeah. Larry. But, I, I played all of the Leisure Suit Larrys actually. Uh, my favorite one was the one on the island. I think it was. What was it called? Something about pulsating Patty and her pulsating pectorals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't share that same memory. That's how we got an education back then, you know. <laughs> but my favourite was Space Quest. Roger mm, Walker. Roger Walker. Great yeah. humour, yeah, yeah. But um, DOS was only half of it. The '95 started. '95, yeah. That was uh, that. That was the operating system that changed it all. Yeah. Uh, it, and the hype, I remember the hype around then. I just started as a tech journalist. Uh, and I remember the, the launch of Windows 95. It was unbelievable. And Mi Microsoft and IBM were at war at the time because Microsoft had effectively stabbed IBM in the back because IBM had been working on OS2, which was a joint project with Microsoft. Microsoft walked away from it. <laughs> it was secretly developing Windows 95 in the, in the background. Uh, and um, I remember um, I, I drove past the IBM headquarters in Santon uh, on, the, on the launch day. I think it was August the 24th, 1995. And um, and there were people stand, milling around uh, with um, banners outside the IBM head office were saying, OS2 warp. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an IBM protest against Windows. Uh, it was kind of fun. It was a brief war uh, amongst users as well, um, OS2 users and Windows users. It didn't last very long. Mm. IBM lost horribly. <laughs> um, Windows 95, yeah, it was uh, it was launched with uh, Bill Gates and um, the Rolling Stones, I think, played a set, if I recall correctly. Uh, and um, lots of celebrities on the stage. It was quite a quite yeah. a thing, uh, and it went on to be an incredibly successful product. And that, of course, led to Windows ninety eight. And uh, and uh, if you awful, <laughs> did you ever use Windows Millennium Edition? Yeah, I used every one of them. I was a I was an update junkie. I loved all the updates, all the new yeah. features, all the customizations. But yeah, I, Millennium Edition didn't last long on my computer. No, I mean, mine neither. I think I had it for a week and went back to 98. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was also 98 Second Edition. Yeah, which fixed some of the bugs, but it was still buggy. Yeah, no, it, it was wasn't buggy. It, it was a terrible ideal. piece of software. 
Um, and then didn't we, you also, when did Windows 2000 come out? Was that 99 or was it 2000? I, I forget which year it was. I think it was around, I think it was 2000. Because I remember dropping 98 for 2000, mm. but then some XP did. came back into the A lot picture. of people did, yeah. Windows 2000 was uh, was a nice stable OS. It's, mm. It was it was the, it was was based on the Windows NT core, uh, which was the server operating system in effect yeah. back then. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the with, in, in 2001, Windows XP came out, and that was a merger of the... Of the NT and consumer uh, 9X lines, uh, basically putting a fancy interface on top of Windows NT. And it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful operating system. For the time, it was. I loved looked, it. It looked good at the time. It looks very dated today, especially the strange use of green and blue. Yeah, uh, but it was modern. I mean, I it was modern it, uh, then, yeah. Modern, and it's still used. I mean, I sometimes I go and help my neighbors with their computers, so being a technical person, <laughs> you, that's yeah, yeah, something you always end up doing. You're but thinking um, in the neighborhood, exactly. So, so many. Um, so many people are still running Windows XP. <laughs> I mean, if it works, it works. I yeah. mean, I think they probably outdid themselves with that one. And again, Windows 2000 is probably to, to thank for that one. Mm. And then Windows Vista. Old Vista. Which was a bit of a... So much hope and so much disappointment. Yeah. And they, I think they spent six years developing it. Um, mm. It was a heck of a long time. And uh, it was it was, it was was bloated and it was buggy. And they had, remember, they had all sorts of issues with device drivers, which was yes. the main problem. Yes. And Windows 7 fixed that a couple of years later. And a lot of people swear by Windows 7, refuse to upgrade from it. Yeah. It's, it's like a bit like XP, actually. Yes, yes. Um, and then Windows goes in cycles. Uh, mm. They have a good one, bad one, good one, every bad one. Two, every two, second one yeah. is... Uh, Windows 8 was a bad one, um, mainly because it, it was a kludge. It didn't really feel right. Um, it was an attempt to respond to the iPad, I think. Mm. Um, and then now we've got Windows 10, which is great. Yeah, we love it. Love it, I just love it. So 30 years. We've uh, put a story up on Tech Central with screenshots of um, all of the old versions of desktop uh, Windows. So going down the memory lane. Yeah, it's well yeah. worth checking it out. Uh, it's quite amazing to see how far and... we've come. Um, there's a video as well which uh, which runs through the evolution in a couple of minutes worth mm. watching as well. So go check that out on Tech Central's homepage. Cool. I think that covers the news for this week. Um, I think we should move on to our winners and losers. Um, our winner this week is the Minister of Telecommunications and Postal Services, um, which is uh, not someone oh, yeah. not, who is not someone we uh, pick as a winner often. In fact, I think he's been on our loser ca category a couple of times. <laughs> but yeah. we picked him this week because uh, because uh, he must have been the person um, negotiating or, or, or selling the idea of um, of uh, Mark Barnes being the new CEO of the post office. Um, we know that Cyril Ramaphosa has been involved, of course, in ma management there, so he may have had a big say over the appointment of Mark Barnes. And, of course, it was debated in Cabinet. But... Um, as the telecoms and postal services minister, I think he ultimately gets the credit for uh, the for the appointment of a strong candidate who can, at last, who can um, hopefully start to turn around this dysfunctional organisation. So, Siabonga Twele is our winner this week. And our loser is one that I would never have thought that we'd put on this list. Yeah, sad, isn't it? It's very sad to see a streaming audio service radio closing down. RDIO. I was a happy subscriber to it, and still am actually. The service is still working, it's, and it will probably continue to work uh, for the foreseeable future. But um, it's basically been placed into bankruptcy protection, and uh, its assets are going to be sold. Some of its assets are going to be sold to Pandora. What that means, I'm not sure. Um, but Pandora is not available outside a couple of markets. I think it's US and Australia and New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken, or the UK. I forget which ones it is. It's about two or three markets they're available in. Um, so maybe this means Pandora is going to come to the rest of the world. That'd be nice. Um, but uh, yeah, radio is is on its way out. So I'm I'm actually not sure what I'm going to replace it with yet. 
Yeah, you still have a few options, fortunately. Yeah, um, I've been I've been considering Google Music again with uh, YouTube Red now. YouTube Red, that's has that been launched? It's been launched in the states. Yeah, but I mean, you still do your proxy bypass yeah. VPN it's service to get to it. Though. It is, but uh, you kind of have to. Even if you want Spotify, you have to do it. Yeah, I'm still very happy with Symphony. To be honest with you, I'm yeah. using it uh, almost every day. Oh I yeah, okay. It, I must have another look at that. I didn't really like the apps. Um, I'll have another look at it. Yeah, look, it's fine. I mean, I wouldn't say it's it's the best application out yeah. there, but you can store your music offline. You can create your own playlist. It's got a web interface. Um, yeah. Have you yeah. tried Deezer? No, I've never. never I've heard good things about it. Deezer. They they've got a partnership with Vodacom. Um, uh, you know, and they're available locally, so you don't mm -hmm. have to use a, a proxy. Um, and I've heard people saying good, generally good things about Deezer. So maybe I should have a look at them as an maybe option. You should, yeah. 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 Apple Music doesn't really appeal to me because I'm not tied into the Apple ecosystem. And I've heard a lot of mixed reviews, and I've also tried it. It's not slick at all. Mm. It's not. Uh, it's it's iTunes type Ugh. of mentality. You know what that I'm saying? It gives me the shivers. Got a lot of got a lot of potential, but yeah, yeah they just didn't execute yeah. as well. Yeah, and if I have to fire iTunes on my PC, I think I'd rather shoot. Myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, let's not go there. <laughs> so Deezer, I think I'm going to have a look at Deezer. I'll have another look at some Fi. Um, uh, I'd, I'd love to use Spotify, but I don't really want to have to go through the hassle of, um, of uh, you know, especially yeah. when I'm out and about, and you know, if I'm sitting in a hot spot, uh, you know, uh, at, at, at the, my local coffee shop, do I have to fire up some sort of VPN software on my, yeah. on my yeah. PC just to be able to listen to some music? But, I mean, obviously, you also need to think of your mobile phone because I'm sure you would use your mobile phone for exactly. music more often than you do your desktop machine. In exactly. Case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I often pair my phone with my with, with via Bluetooth to the stereo in my car mm, and listen mm. to streaming audio and on the go. So I don't want to have to install something on Android. Plus, I use my iPad. Plus, I use my Mac. Plus, yeah. I use my my uh, my Windows PC. I use I use multiple devices to stream music. But you only have to log in, I think, with Spotify once a month, once some thirty days or seventy oh, really? day cycle. You have to verify. Yeah. But I mean, w w with just one last thing on radio closing or audio closing down is the playlists. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about when I heard the news was. You know, I've got so many playlists on my Symphony Africa account that are, you know, obviously playlists I've built up over the last two, three years. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think I can export them. And it's kind of, you know, once yeah. you lose your playlist, you know, there's songs in there that yeah. the order of them is very particular. Yeah. There might be a tune that might not come to the top of your mind, but yeah. you know that there was a few songs on there. And if you lose that, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hassle. It's kind of a big thing, you know. Yeah. Wonder what the solution is. I think with uh, with the radio closing down, there was an option for you to export your playlists. I think they made that available to users. But um, okay, I'll have a look at that. Yeah, anyway, I'm going to carry on using radio or audio, which I'm not sure how it's pronounced. <laughs> um, I'm going to carry on using it uh, f uh, until they, they shut it down, and, and hopefully there'll be some communication closer to the time exactly mm. exactly what how they're going to migrate the users. Maybe. Maybe they'll move us all onto Pandora. Um, although Pandora is a, a different it's type quite of service. the same thing. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, it's disappointing. But maybe if with Pandora buying some of the assets, they'll redo it somehow and it'll continue to live. Here's well, maybe they'll become a, a full-on streaming service like yeah, Possibly, like yeah. That, uh, yeah. Use, all the, use all the technology. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's our loser of the week. Very sad news. Uh, radio, radio. Uh, closing down. <laughs> Sometime next year sometime, I think it is. Cool. What's your pick this week, Griffot? So there's a new little gadget that launched a while ago, and it's recently just landed in South Africa um, by a company called DJI. Now you might know the name from uh, the drone drone industry. Uh, DJI makes a range of really good uh, quadcopters or drones. The the DJI, uh, the one, uh, the Inspire, the Ronin. These are all uh, really cool drones. But uh, the product that 
that I'm picking this week and something that uh, I can see myself buying within the next six months is a product called the Osmo. Um, and it's a, it's a gimbal-based camera, and what that means is it uh, offers you steady, steady shot type of steady cam type uh, videography. Um, the little motorized camera compensates for any movement and uh, it produces a, a smooth image. With the Osmo, what you do is uh, you plug your iPhone in, so it's only, it's yeah. only compatible with, uh, with your iPhone at all with Apple at the moment. Um, but there are versions for other cameras, uh, as far as I remember, coming, coming at some point. Um, and then your, your phone turns into a viewfinder and a control obviously input you don't need to connect your phone but um, it obviously allows you to, to see what you're shooting yeah and the footage is absolutely phenomenal um, smooth steady cam type quality you you'd imagine to get from a rig that costs you 20 30 grand yeah um, I've heard some mixed reviews about the low light but when I played with it uh, in daytime it, it was absolutely brilliant um, Phenomenal footage, uh, and, and uh, yeah, like I said, I can see myself using it quite often, especially uh, if I'm on my mountain bike and I want to shoot some trail footage. Uh, it'll it'll offer proper steady cam shots yeah. while connected to my bike with all the you know vibration of, of yeah. the gravel road. Okay. Um, it goes for depending on where you buy it between eleven and twelve thousand rand. Ouch! It, it's an expensive product, but it's if if you're into shooting video. What camera is it, is built into that? Um, there is, it's a 4K if I'm not mistaken. Let me just quickly go to the specs here for sure. you. We'll put a link on the on the on the show notes so that you can access this because I think you really have to see it rather than yeah, yeah. It's it quite is, hard to describe it, but it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a handle, so I mean, it's like a lollipop mic almost with uh, yeah. with a detachable uh, um, screen. Um, oh, there's so a sensor there. Do sensor details. Yeah, so it's a 12 megapixel sensor. Sony Exmor or CMOS. Uh, R CMOS, yeah, one, two, third inch sensor size. Oh, it looks pretty um, cool. Pricey, but it looks pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, so 4K video is the maximum size it can do. At Look, 20, it, 24 frames per second. Yeah. And 30 mm. frames per second, is that, no, 30p, that's, uh, oh, no, it is frames per second, yeah, yeah 120p. Yeah, yeah. So it'll do full HD at 120 frames per second, that's pretty good. Yeah, and that means one, 120 frames at 1920 isn't bad at all. Mm. Um, yeah, look, I mean, it, it, it might sound expensive if this is not really your thing, but anything comparable, you know, if, if you do go for a proper gimbal for a, a camera, for, for any other camera, yeah. you can expect to pay upwards of 15,000, 20,000 rand. It's a much bigger rig too, so okay. well worth checking out. But it's a very nice gadget if you want to get really good, uh, really good family shots, <laughs> if, if that's your style. Cool, we'll go check it out. It's the DJI Osmo. We'll put a link on the website to that. I am picking yet another book this week. Um, it's my third in a row. But I'm consuming a huge amount of Audible over the last couple of weeks and uh, really enjoying it. Uh, my, my latest pick is the book, and I think I've briefly mentioned it last week, actually. Um, it's the book by uh, Ashley Vance. He's a very well-known uh, technology or business journalist in the U.S. I think he writes for uh, Business Week. Um, and uh, he's written a very good book on uh, Elon Musk called Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the Quest for a Fantastic Future. Um, it's brilliant. Um, if you're looking for a great book to read this December, get, get this book. Um, uh, it's, um, it's, it's, you can see that he's um, an experienced journalist. He's really done his background research. He's interviewed tons of people. Uh, and he's, he's interviewed Musk as well, quite in, in detail. Uh, um, so, so, so Musk's story, you know, it's from literally from the horse's mouth as well. So it's not a, it's not an unauthorized sort of uh, uh, biography. Mm. Um, uh, not entirely authorized either, but um, it, it, uh, it was. It's a fascinating read and, and very detailed. And I was pleased to see he goes into quite a lot of detail about his history in South Africa as well. 
Um, kind, of, kind of weird hearing all these South African names <laughs> and talking about Bryanston High School and all this sort of stuff uh, in an American book uh, narrated by an, uh, an American uh, uh, reader on Audible. So, is, sorry, is this book about Elon Musk or it's about book, his companies? It's about Elon and his companies. Okay, it's okay. about both. So, it's kind of intertwined it's a biography. between the story. Okay, it is. Okay. But it talks about, you know, you know how he started SpaceX, for example, and, um, you know, how he got all these, and it goes back. The, the, some of the some of the history with PayPal is fascinating as well. Um, uh, you know how he how he started PayPal. He was how he was fired. How he was fired of the, as CEO of of the predecessor really of of PayPal. They merged with a business called PayPal, which was run at the time by Peter Thiel. Uh, he was running a company called X dot com, um, and he was fired as the CEO. Um, stayed on actually. Um, handled it all quite well. Uh, but fascinating uh, journalism. It's a big book, but worth getting, worth reading, um, and uh, so certainly for the South African angle alone, it's worth mm. uh, it's worth the listen or the read. Sounds like great, great December time reading. It is absolutely. It's uh, it's one of the best biographies I've read. So check that out. It's uh, the full title is Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the Quest for a Fantastic Future by Ashley Vance. Great. Well, um, I think that's uh, the show for this week. Before we do that, though, uh, before we wrap up, though, we, we uh, need to get back to our little quiz that we had at the beginning of the mm-hmm. show. So let's run through yeah. that. Uh, let's run through that quickly. Um, do you want to? Do you want to fire off the questions and I'll run through the answers? Right. So the first question was: Mark Barnes, the new CEO of the Post Office, also co-hosted uh, a TV talk show on Current Affairs. What was the name of that show? Well, that was the hardest question I think we had in in, in our inaugural quiz this week, and that's. The, the show is called Editing Aloud, and it's on Business Day Television. Uh, it's a great show, actually. I enjoy it. I try and watch it every week. Um, it's uh, with uh, various editors and journalists from the Times Media Group. Um, usually have Peter Bruce, the editor of Business Day, on there. Uh, Ron Darby from the Business Times, uh, and and you know other ho- uh, hosts on the, on the show. It's a it's a good listen, and they talk about politics, current affairs, uh, and uh, and the, the business and the economy. It's a it's a good. Uh, a good uh, heated discussion usually amongst uh, a b- bunch of editors uh, well worth uh, watching and uh, he uh, Mark Barnes uh, was a regular on it um, and I'm guessing now that he's taking over as of the post office that uh, he won't be able mm-hmm. to continue with that but, uh, is, is that show available online do you know I don't probably know I don't know try Business Day TV's website it may be on there but um, otherwise uh, it's um, it's it's. I think it's on every week on a Wednesday if I'm not mistaken Tuesday or Wednesday on, on BDTV which I think is channel 412 um so, yeah, go have a look. Even if Mark Barnes isn't on there, it's worth watching. So, the second question uh, was, what was Auger's telecom, uh, Auger Telecom's stake in Cell C? Okay, we actually answered that question during the podcast. That's 75%. The, the rest is owned by local black economic empowerment shareholders. The third question, uh, MTN's trouble in Nigeria. Um, they've been fined by a court in Uganda too. What were they accused of? And we weren't looking for detail. Remember that. Short answer, uh, anti-competitive behavior. The fourth question uh, was about the SSC board. It suspended the broadcaster's uh, CEO. How long had Matala been in the job? He'd been in the job for a whole four months. Great stuff. And the last question. Former group executive director RJ van Spandonk is setting up a new company which is launching which international smartphone brand in South Africa? And the answer is obviously Xiaomi, the Chinese brand, uh, which uh, has been variously called as the... Um has been called as the uh, the iPhone of the East. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Looking forward Looking to playing forward around to with it, yeah. some of those products. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's our show for this week. Um, uh, mixed it up a bit this week, and we're going to be making some further changes in the coming weeks. So, so uh, look out for those. Uh, uh, until next time, if you've got any feedback, well, tell us what you think of the format. We'd love to hear your views. Uh, drop us a mail at info 
at techcentral.co.za from Rechat and myself at all next time. Cheers. Ciao.